we have many who are grieving losses today. Over the last month in our church, we've lost four church members. And I say lost, really, they've just moved on to glory, right? Amen? <laughs> we don't mourn like those who have no hope and the loss is not forever. That it's a temporary thing. And so what I want to do today is I want to spend a few moments praying for the families of Mary Marshall and of Mitch Grunmeyer and of Willie Gould and of Harvey Montgomery. We need to be lifting them up in prayer as they grieve and as we grieve as a congregation. And I recognize that in, this has become a very regular thing in our church. In four years, we've had uh, 38 people who have passed away. And so we grieve as a congregation. And yet we don't grieve without hope. We have hope in Christ. Yet not I, and yet not us, but Christ within us. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we, as Scripture says, we grieve with those who grieve. We mourn with those who mourn. Lord, just in the last month, we have lost, just out of our congregation, four very precious souls. As all of these souls, as part of our congregation, are precious. Lord, for who we will, for servants of Christ, who we will deeply miss. And Lord, we know that their families also feel an empty spot, a hole, an empty place. Even as they grieve with hope, because we know the truth of the resurrection, we know the truth of the gospel, we know the truth of salvation, we know the truth that Christ's grave is empty. And he has risen from the grave as the first fruits among many brethren. Yet, Lord, we still live in between the times. We still live in this age. We still live in the age of death and sin. But, Lord, we thank you that death will not get the final words. That death's sting will not be forever and will not win and so, Lord, I pray for these families. We pray for their strength. We pray for their encouragement. We pray that you would give them perfect peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we lift them up to you. And, Lord, we pray that you would provide for their needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Some are widows now. And, Lord, some have lost parents. Some have lost grandparents. And, Lord, we pray for your comfort and wisdom and strength in every unique situation. Lord, I pray for us as a congregation. Lord, we have many holes to fill. And Lord, we know that you will raise up new leaders and new prayer warriors and new servants of Christ, even as these were. And Lord, we thank you for these lives. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in so many ways as they were examples to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to carry on the work to pick up 
the baton and to carry on the work, to carry the torch the next round around the track until Jesus comes. And so, Lord, we thank you for your mercy and grace in our lives. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that, Lord, life in Christ is forever. And, Lord, help us to have tremendous hope and joy based on that rock-solid truth of the gospel. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for it. We ask you to speak to us from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and grab a Bible and open to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And what I want to talk to you about today is overcoming anxiety. Overcoming anxiety. I want to, I want to say thank you to BJ for serving us so well over the last couple of weeks in preaching the word faithfully, thankful for him, and I'm thankful for all of this staff. I've, a couple of weeks ago, I was able to preach at the Chinese church just down the road, and they send you their greetings as well, and they truly see themselves as partners in the gospel with our congregation, and we're looking more ways we can partner in the future, even perhaps having some joint services in the future. I said, yes, but please, we, we'd, we would love to uh, let you serve us in this way. Pastor, would you preach for us? And, and then congregation, would you, would, you, would, you, would you cook for us? Because <laughs> <And>, um, <laughs> their food is amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's not panda. That's not real Chinese. Like, this is like good stuff. I mean, it's, I like panda too, but just be real. But, uh, <laughs> but it is really good. And I also want to thank the staff for serving so well in, when I was in Oklahoma because, you know, there's stuff that happened. You know, people, people passed away and, and we have all this stuff with, uh, with the water going on and, and they, they just handled things so well. And I'm so thankful to be surrounded by just such a phenomenal group of leaders and pastors. So thank you so much for serving us, serving us well. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these words, Rejoice! Rejoice in the Lord always! I will say it again. Rejoice! Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is life. And Lord, there are many reasons today why anxiety is such a very present issue and a very real temptation and reality to set into our souls. In different ways, we all feel it. Because of circumstances, because of life, because of things going on in the world and even just the normal day-to-day -day things. Lord, even as we've heard over the last couple of weeks, and we'll hear again today, your word says a lot about this. 
And it's amazing how your word corresponds to so much even research today. But Lord, we know that your word is perfect. And you give us the answer to our troubled souls. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear your answer, to hear your prescription as the great physician. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to respond with joy and graciousness and prayer when we face and we are We feel anxiety welling up within our souls. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last year, anxiety has gripped a nation. It's made a few, a list of a few words that describe things that might possibly give you anxiety within the last year and a half. There's anxiety about the future. Anxiety about a pandemic, anxiety about mutations, anxiety about masks, anxiety about shutdowns, anxiety about regulations, vaccines, mandates, politics, elections, inflation, water main breaks, online schooling, international politics, toilet paper, (laughs) Afghanistan, fires. Smoke, stockouts, and then all of the stuff you just normally deal with. Being part of a family, being part of a workplace, being part of this fallen world. We didn't need any more help to, be, to deal with anxiety, did we? <laughs> but in the last year, all of these things, which we really, mm, pandemic, that's like something that happened a long time ago. Like the bubonic plague. <laughs> we don't worry about that anymore. We don't even have that anymore. We don't even deal with that anymore. And, and certainly not a conversation of debate, right? And yet here we are in the world that we face today. And we face all of these things top, piled on top of all of the things that we normally deal with in normal life. We have all of these extra things piled on top of us, which have heightened our sense of anxiety in these days, heightened our sense of worry in these days, made it difficult for some of you to sleep at night, made even some of your blood pressures go up at times as you Watch the news as, as you look on social media and as you consider the future and as you think about changes in your job and you think about regulations that have been placed upon you, they have raised your level of anxiety. And how is it that we are called to overcome these things? As I, as I studied this passage this week, I kept working and working. How do I understand? They seem like disjointed phrases. It's like Paul here at the end of Philippians is thinking, um joy and um, gentleness and um, pray, anxiety, throwing it all in there, and oh yes, and the mind, think about these things. And he's, he's like, I've got to wrap this thing up, but I've got to get some things out really quickly. And they don't really have any relationship to each other. And I think that can't be the, the key. That can't be what Paul's doing here. Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't just think of random things to say at the end of his letters and then say, okay, and see y'all later. <laughs> How are they related? And what does this have to do with anxiety? I think the key to how the words of this passage all relate together are three words in Greek at the end of verse 5. And in your translation, it might say something like this. 
the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Or in my translation, the Lord is near. Now, there are two thoughts on this, that it could be either in that the Lord is near in terms of his return, the imminent return of Christ, that, that Christ appearing is near, that the appearing of, the, of Christ and the archangel sounding the trumpet and the voice of God saying, come on, come forth and all who are dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are left will meet them in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. First Thessalonians says, comfort one another with these words. And so that could be what he's talking about, in the Lord is near, so therefore we can remember that and deal with our anxiety. And I think that's true. I think there is a sense in which the second coming of Christ does help us to endure the trials that we face in our lives today. But I don't think that's the sense that he's getting at here. I think the sense that he's getting at here is the Lord is near in terms of his presence. That Jesus will never leave you. That Jesus will never forsake you. That our God is a very present help in trouble. And because of this truth, because of this reality, because of the ever-presence of Jesus with you, you don't have to be anxious. Because of the presence of the Lord, you can rejoice. You can have joy because Jesus will always be there. No matter what the trial, no matter what they're saying on the nightly news, no matter what the governor proclaims, no matter what in the world happens in this world, we can have joy. Why? Because my joy and your joy is not based upon changing society. Our joy and our comfort and our help is based on this never-changing reality. Jesus will never leave me. He is always there. He has always been there, even at times when I couldn't see him. He was there. He is now here, and he will always be there all the way to the end of eternity. He will always be there. This passage refers not to time, but to space. He's not near in terms of time, although I think that is true. The nearness of the coming of Christ is very near. But I think it's in terms of he is near our souls. Scripture is clear about this. Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. To all who call on Him in truth. And isn't the end of this passage calling us to cry out to the Lord? The Lord is near. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Jesus says this. I believe Christ says this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never go away. The key idea that I want to get across today to you is this. Because of the nearness of the Lord, you can overcome anxiety in your life. How? Through ever-renewing joy, grace-saturated gentleness, and peace-producing prayer. 
You're going to overcome anxiety in your life, in your soul, through these three realities in this text, through ever-renewing joy, grace-saturated gentleness, and peace-producing prayer. Now, there's a reason, a very particular reason why I'm calling this sermon Overcoming Anxiety. For you English fans, it's in the perfect participle, I think. Present participle. <laughs> why, do I, why did I say that? Not how to overcome anxiety. The reason why is because overcoming anxiety is not a one and done thing. It's not as if, okay, I learned that, I learned that in, in 2012, and since 2012, I've never had to deal with anxiety again. I've never had to overcome it again. I overcame it once, I dealt with it, and I never have to deal with it again. <laughs> Anybody like that? <laughs> no. I think anxiety is something we are overcoming in our lives. Why? Because Satan is always constantly throwing us new darts, new trials, new things, new schemes, new strategies. But the good news is the strategy against him, the strategy to defeat him, never changes. It's overcoming the ever-present in this world to different degrees among different people. We have different kinds of personalities that deal with this differently, of course. But overcoming anxiety through these gifts of grace that God has given us, which is grace-saturated joy, renewing joy, grace-saturated gentleness, and peace-producing prayer. Availing ourselves of these means of God's grace. So first of all today, overcome anxiety with ever-renewing joy in the Lord. Overcome anxiety with ever-renewing joy in the Lord. The reality is, is the nearness of the Lord will produce joy in your life. Scripture commands us here, it's commanding, this is in the imperative form, Rejoice in the Lord. Find your everlasting source of joy in the Lord, in God. It's important, so important that this command is repeated twice in this passage, even in one verse. In verse 4, he commands, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Two commands in the same verse. Not only is it repeated twice and is in the ever-present command, so always rejoicing in the Lord. He says, rejoice, rejoice, and it's a, it's a comprehensive command. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, it's somewhat easy to rejoice in the Lord when things are going good. But here's a passage that says, Rejoice in the Lord at all times. Rejoice in the Lord and in all circumstances. It's a command that says, no matter what is going on, we should find our joy, not in ever-changing circumstances. Otherwise, our joy would just go up and down with the ebbs and flows of life and society and the politics and the world. However, our joy is not found in this world. The only source of everlasting joy that endures in spite of the circumstances is to find our joy in the never-changing source, and that is in Christ rejoice always why because you can place your joy in jesus and if you're trying to find joy in anything else other than in the presence of the lord you are your your joy is just going to be going in and out bad things happen your joy will go out the window 
True joy does not depend on circumstances, but it depends upon the presence of the Lord with us, and He will never leave us. The never-ending presence of the Lord is a promise to us of permanent joy. Why is that? It's because the book of Psalm, chapter 16, verse 11, says this, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You can have joy in the presence of Jesus because in the presence of Jesus there is a fullness of joy that will never end. It's an infinite joy. When Christ comes into your life, what He brings to you is the very presence of Almighty God. He brings the very throne room of glory into your life, into your soul by His Holy Spirit. And if His presence is indwelling within you, guess what comes with it? Everlasting joy. Full of glory. Now, we do at times as sinful human beings in this world fail to tap into this joy. We fail to commune with the presence of Jesus within us and that's oftentimes when we forget our joy. We forget the reason for our joy because we are temporary atheists at times. What do I mean by that? It's times when we think that we are alone and there's no help. I've got to figure this out on my own. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know what they're saying on Facebook. And I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you, you get into this anxiety and this, 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 this worry and this, thing, this burden that just crashes down on your head. And you wonder, how am I going to deal with this? Anybody relate to that? Oh, man, I do. And in that moment, what am I, what am I forgetting? What am I pretending? I'm pretending like I've got to do this on my own. I'm pretending like I'm the, oh, I gotta, I gotta carry these burdens on my own, and I have no help. And right there, Jesus is right there with me, just patiently saying, "Cast your burdens upon me, for I care for you deeply. Trust in the presence of the Lord, and learn to rejoice in spite of the circumstances." The world doesn't understand this because the world defines joy as an emotion. And emotions come and go. There's an emotional aspect, an affect to an affection to joy, but it is different than an emotion. It's different than something that comes and goes because joy is found in a rock-solid reality that never changes. I think about the, the Disney Pixar movie Inside Out. In that particular movie, there is a main character and called Joy. And joy is personified emotion, just like other emotions are personified of this little girl, Riley, in this movie. Her, her emotions of joy and fear and anger and disgust and sadness are all personified in this particular movie. And it deals with how Riley is moving across the country with her family, and it, it explores the emotional complexity of having to deal with, with all of the emotions as a preteen moving across the country with her dad's job. But it's interesting how Disney describes joy. <laughs> Here's Disney's description of joy. Joy's goal has always been to make sure Riley stays happy. She is lighthearted, optimistic, and determined to find the fun in every situation. Joy sees challenges in Riley's life as opportunities, and the less happy moments as hiccups on the way back to something great. And listen to this. 
as long as Riley is happy, so is joy. Is that biblical joy? As long as you're happy, you have joy. As long as you're not happy, you don't got joy. That's the Disney princess version of joy. (laughs) That's not the Bible version of joy. Here in this passage, it says rejoice continually. Rejoice always. world identifies joy as a human emotion seeking happiness. Paul here says in every single circumstance, regardless of what the circumstances, you find joy. Now, how can you be commanded to produce an emotion? How can you be commanded to produce joy? The reason it is is because joy is not really a feeling. Joy is not really a feeling. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is a gift of God. Now, what is joy? Here's the definition of joy. And I just saw that we forgot to put the uh, notes online this week. I will get them online right after the service so you can have all of this. But if you want to write down or take pictures, you can. What is joy? Joy is this. Joy is the deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and his own glory. Joy is a delight in God and salvation for the sheer beauty and worth of knowing Christ. Joy is confidence, rock-solid confidence that this world is not really out of control. That this world isn't just flying off the hinges and it all depends upon you to try to figure out how to make it in the days ahead. No, no. Joy comes with the ever deep down confidence, growing confidence in the sovereignty of Christ, in the goodness of Christ, in the very presence of Jesus with you always, that you will never, ever, ever have to be alone in the trials of life. And it's delighting in God that no matter what the circumstances, even if they kill me, I'm still with Jesus. And I can have joy no matter what may come my way. It's not fatalism. Joy is a rock-solid confidence in the purposes of Christ, that He will accomplish His purposes. And they are good and for His glory. And the perfect purposes for my life, my family, and this world, this country, and this universe. And because of that reality, I can find joy in the circumstance. Because, look, the end of this story is really good. (laughs) It's out of this world good. And so we can have joy. We know that Paul is not just saying things that he doesn't live. It's one thing to say, have joy in all circumstances, and then go live, you know, and never have any problems. (laughs) Is that who is writing this? No, who is he writing this to? He's writing this to the Philippians. What happened to Paul in Philippi? Well, when Paul was in Philippi, he and Silas cast out a demon out of a fortune-telling slave girl. And the owners didn't like it. And so they had them thrown in jail. They were dragged through the streets, stripped naked by the authorities, beaten with many rods, slashes put on their back, put into prison, feet fastened in shackles, and their hands in stocks. And the guy who suffered that said, rejoice always. Always rejoice. What did he do there in the prison? Hey, let's sing. 
Um, what shall we sing? Yet not I, but through Christ in me. I don't know if that's what he's saying or not, but he wrote that. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. <laughs> I can't clap, right? <laughs> rejoice in the Lord. I don't know what he's saying, but what he's saying was praise his hymns to God. And in that moment of where, well, let's just be honest, I might have been worried or I might have complained. In that very moment, what happened? Jael starts shaking and God sets him free. I think that's what happened when we find joy in Jesus in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the circumstances, rather than reign to anxiety, rather than carrying all the burdens ourselves, rather than being temporary atheists, we, we rejoice in Jesus and say, I don't know how you're going to get out of this, but I'm ready to, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to happen. <laughs> and when you do, all the glory evermore to you, all the, ever, all the glory evermore to Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Here's the key. Practicing an awareness of the presence of the Lord through continual prayer will empower you to increasingly rejoice in Him no matter what the circumstances. Knowing the Lord is near. Not forgetting the reality of His presence. Number two, how do you overcome anxiety? I overcome anxiety through grace-saturated gentleness. Overcome, overcome anxiety through grace-saturated gentleness. He says there in verse 5, let your graciousness or let your gentleness be known to everyone. There's a grace-saturated gentleness that should characterize us as believers and helps us to fight anxiety. Now that word gentleness can be, created, uh, can be translated several different ways. In this version, it is translated graciousness. It could be translated gentleness or reasonable, reasonableness or a gentle spirit or moderation or considerate or graciousness. All of these ways to translate a very complex word in the original language. Now, this word is used in 1 Timothy and Titus to describe a characteristic of a good pastor. The book of James says that this gentleness or this reasonableness is a characteristic of godly wisdom. If you're going to be wise, godly wisdom is gentle. Godly wisdom is gracious. Godly wisdom has a gentle spirit about it. It does not, it, it, it refers to somebody who submits to an injustice or mistreatment without retaliating. It's a gentleness about us. Paul here is talking about, in the context of verses 1 through 3, he's talking about a conflict in the church. There is these two women in the church, Yodia and Syntyche, that are having a disagreement, that are a conflict. And so in, in, the, in that situation, the, in situations in life like we face in the world today, so oftentimes where people are constantly against each other, where there is so much conflict in the world today, in that kind of a context, our response should be rejoice always and let your gentleness be known to everyone. Exactly the opposite would you see, would you characterize much of the conversation in social media as being characterized by graciousness and gentleness? Would you be characterizing much of the conversation happening on the cable news networks as graciousness and gentleness? I'm not talking about giving up positions. No, no, of course not. We should have positions on things. I'm even making claims in this sermon. Strong claims. 
even loud claims at times, right? They're not saying we shouldn't have positions, and we shouldn't articulate theology, and we shouldn't articulate even political positions. But what I'm saying is, how are we doing that? Is graciousness and gentleness, like Christ, characterizing our conversation as believers, especially within the family of God? Are we gracious when we respond to one another? How do we typically respond in such circumstances? Our typical response in when situations when a gentle spirit would be in order would be what? To let our joy go out the window. When I'm not responding with graciousness, am I joyful in that moment? Am I resting in the joy and the sovereignty of God and joy in the Holy Spirit, joy that God's in control, joy in the presence of Jesus? Or have I taken the wheel and said, I'm going to fight this one, Lord. Leave this one to me. (laughs) So oftentimes, when we face situations, we, rather than gentleness, we respond with a harsh word, gossip. And what does that lead to? That often leads to an anxiety over a situation. Rather than responding in grace and letting the Lord's presence prevail, in our lives. When you know the Lord is near, you can respond to people with a gentle and reasonable spirit. When you are wrong, you can turn the other cheek. When you are slighted, you can remain silent, even seek to be a blessing to others. First Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says this, when he was reviled, when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued to trust himself to him who judges justly. Graciousness is a quality that will set you apart in this day. Graciousness is a quality that when people see it in your life, you will stand out as somebody who, where does that come from? That's so different. That's so refreshing. Where did you get that? And you can say, I got that from Jesus who is the one who is gentle and lowly in heart. Graciousness. How do you develop a heart of graciousness? You rest in the nearness of the one who is perfectly gracious in our gracious Christ, in our gracious and gentle Savior. He has extended gentleness to us. He's extended grace to us. And so we as believers should extend graciousness to others to the people around us. Finally, number three, overcome anxiety through peace-producing prayer. Overcome anxiety through peace-producing prayer. The kind of peace this prayer will produce is a peace that passes all understanding. A peace so good, I don't even know how to explain it. Unexplainable, indescribable peace. The Lord is at hand. There is no reason to be anxious. In fact, look at the end of verse 5. Remember the verse numbers weren't there when Paul wrote this letter. He didn't write verse 5, here's verse 5, verse 6, here is verse 6. He just wrote a letter. And so skip, num- skip the verse number. Look at the end of verse 5. The Lord is near, don't worry about anything. I think it's a mistake that we cut it off too abruptly. The Lord is near, don't worry about anything. Instead, as the New Living Translation says, pray about everything. If you knew the Lord was right here, 
you'd probably talk to him. You'd probably have something to share to him with him. The Lord is near. Therefore, don't worry about anything. The Lord is at hand. There is no reason to be anxious. Let's just be real. If I go down to the basketball courts for a pickup game by myself, I got a lot of reason to worry. <laughs> I'll let you into a little secret. Pastor ain't got no game. <laughs> I have like a two and a half inch vertical leap. <laughs> I'm not ducking on anybody. And while I enjoy softball, my skills aren't that great, but they're like infinitely better than my basketball skills. <laughs> and if I go down there to the basketball courts, I will find there T. Muse, Travis Muse, and Todd Taylor, and Dick Downard, and Nate McGowan, and I've heard a police officer. <laughs> and I go there, and let's just face the reality. I'm getting picked last. <laughs> and, and not only that, this beatdown is going to be epic in whatever one-on-one -on -one we come up with there. But let's say, I, let's say I show up next week, and I say, okay, there's you five guys. You got to pick your team, your guys. You guys are pro practice. We're just going to show up with my team. And, and my team, my team that I bring next week is composed of Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Kevin Durant. <laughs> and me. <laughs> right? I don't have anything to worry about. No offense, my brother. <laughs> well, those dudes get paid to do this. They are like world-class athletes. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. If LeBron was at hand, at least in terms of basketball, if LeBron was at hand, I don't care who's down there at the park. <laughs> How much more the Lord is at hand. Whatever situation you're facing right now, be anxious for nothing. You don't have to worry. There's some kinds of worry that is helpful. Those are called burdens. There's a difference between a burden and a worry. God may place a burden on your soul about something. God has placed burdens on people that we've been having here in our church recently. A burden for Germany. A burden for Central Asia. A burden for the Northwest. God places burdens upon us for particular reasons. But burdens are different than anxieties. What is the anxiety that we are to give over to the Lord? Not worrying about anything. Look what John Piper says about anxiety. He says the following. He says, anxiety seems to be an intense desire for something, accompanied by a fear of the consequences of not receiving it. Anxiety seems to be an intense desire for something and the fear of the consequences of not, not receiving it. Oftentimes in something we value like money or relationships or a particular outcome or the world or just whatever it is, you desire to see something happen and you have fear of it not happening. And also I think in those moments we have this functional atheism that sets in in our soul. We would never say we are atheists, but we act like it in that moment in saying that the outcome of this situation is entirely dependent upon me and my strength and my wisdom and my ingenuity in order to get through this thing. And in that moment, we are forgetting this truth. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. And because the Lord is at hand, 
You don't have to worry. Cast your burdens upon him. But in everything, the rest of verse 6, through prayer and petition and thanksgiving. Three words. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Prayer is a broad word describing all kinds of prayers, all kinds of spiritual devotion of prayer, talking to the Lord. Supplication is a very specific word. It's a narrow word describing specifically a kind of prayer that's asking for help. When you are... In that moment when you are facing anxiety, the call of this passage is talk to the near Lord. Talk to the Lord who is at hand and cry out to Him for help. Sometimes that's about all you can get out. Lord, help. I don't know what else to say. And Jesus hears your prayer. Why? Because He's been there the whole time. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ dwells within you. He is near. Call out to Him in prayer. And He says, with thanksgiving. That's the humble, non-demanding mindset uh, that flavors all of prayer with thanksgiving. Say, Lord, I thank You that You're going to work this out for Your glory and for my good. I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. I don't know the pathway, but You know the future. I trust You. I give the pen in Your hand and You write better than I do. And trust in the Lord. First Peter 5, 7 says this, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Cast all of your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, when you face anxiety, and it's going to come, in this world it will happen. It's a present trouble. And a present reality. Remember the presence of the Lord. He will never leave you and never forsake you. Let the presence of the Lord lead you to rejoice in the Lord. Lead you to a response of graciousness and gentleness to others who may be causing that anxiety in your life. And let it lead you to a deeper fellowship and communion with the Lord in prayer as you seek the Lord to help you overcome those anxieties in your life. Now, I don't think we end a sermon like this by just simply having me pray and us sing a song, although we're going to do that here in a moment. But I think we would do well to end this time together today with prayer. And so what I want to do as we finish today is I want to help us to pray about several different topics that relate to anxiety. I want to give you a chance to call out to the near Lord and pray to the Lord and say, Lord, here's the situation I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm anxious about. It may be a family situation. It may be global politics. It may be masks. It may be vaccine. It may be, I don't know, school. It may be, I don't know what it is. You know what it is. It may not be related to any of that. But whatever it is in your life, why don't you give it to the Lord? Why don't you bow in prayer with me? I'm going to give you a few prompts and you pray as the Lord leads. What is causing anxiety and worry in your life? You know what it is for you. Give that to Jesus now. Philippians 4, 4-7 through 7 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I again say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Let the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus.
give that thing over to the Lord now. Are you worried about finances? I encourage you to stand on the promise of Philippians 4.19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Trust in the Lord for his provision in your life. Are you out of strength and don't know how you will carry on? Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Trust in the Lord who is near and is your perfect strength when all strength is gone, when our strength is gone. Do you need protection? Psalm 91 verses 1 through 2 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Trust in the Lord to be your protection. Give that anxiety to Him now. Pray for your family. Pray for your children by name. Pray for your spouse by name. Pray for a close family member, a friend by name. So oftentimes the anxieties in our lives are related to those closest to us. Give them to the Lord in prayer. should be burdened for the lost as well. Not anxious, but burdened. I encourage you to pray for a lost person that you know. Acts 26 verse 18 says this, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I encourage you to pray for somebody you know that does not know Christ that God would not make you anxious, but would give you a burden for their souls.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that it is to have a moment of silence to be able to seek your face. Lord, I pray that as we cast our anxieties on you, Lord, that we would not reel them back in after the service, but that we would cut the line and give them to you completely. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in the days ahead when we live in an anxious world of uncertainty. Lord, I pray that you would help us to respond with joy and gentleness and seeking through prayer the one who is very present, who will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we pray for this time of response. Lord, I pray that you would help us to respond to what it is that you have said to us today. Lord, for those who know you as Savior and Lord, if they need prayer, need to spend some time praying, Lord, I pray that you would help them respond in that way. Lord, if someone needs to know you as Savior and Lord, that they don't even, haven't even taken the first step of trusting in you as their joy, as their Savior, as the one who died on the cross and rose again, Lord, I pray that you would help them to do that today. Lord, I pray that if there's other needs for prayer, Lord, I pray that you would help us to respond. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray.